Hi, I'm Cody Ferraro, and welcome to the Power of the Journey podcast, where we peel back the layers of the student-athlete experience by talking with those who have been through it, those who are impacting it, and guests within the athletics community who are actively trying to change it for the better. Today, we are powered by Game Plan, with partners such as the NFL, NBA, Pac-12, and over 300 athletic organizations, GamePlan is the only all-in-one platform for total athlete development on and off the field. GamePlan is also the single largest community of student athletes seeking employment opportunities in the world. So whether you're an organization looking to create comprehensive e-learning education or an employer looking for your next star employee, ask yourself, did I game plan it? For more information, visit GamePlan at wearegameplan.com. That's wearegameplan.com. Today on Power the Journey, a two-sport athlete from Princeton University as a member of the basketball and baseball team. He received his master's from the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, before becoming the director of basketball operations for Manhattan College and Fairfield University. He is currently the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Manager and Senior Account Executive at DKC, one of the top PR firms in the world. He's a professional for change. Introducing Stephen Elmore. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so excited for this conversation. Thank you. Of course. No, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me. and Happy to be here. Uh, so there's, there's so many things that I want to touch on. Um, but first, just like every other podcast that we've done, we're going to start with your journey. I mean, New York native went down to, to Jersey for a little bit, uh, across the border, across the bridge and, um, and started yours there. If you could bring us through, you know, the, the prep time in the Bronx to, uh, Princeton, that'd be, that'd be awesome. For sure. So yeah, I would try to not go too deep into it, but I know this is, uh, cause there's a, it's a long path here, but really I'll, I'll start with how I got to, to Horace Mann. So that's, we talk about being in, in prep in the Bronx. So born and raised in New York city, um, initially went to public school, um, and you know, where I'm from PS 87 and, um, you know, ended up hearing about Horace Mann just through some friends that I went to Hebrew school with. And, and for those who don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish and, and, you know, mixed and everything. And so that, that played a big part of my life later on, but yeah, you know, when I went there in sixth grade, you know, I went there through from sixth grade all the way through high school. And it was a it was definitely a, an adjustment in many ways, like socially, academically, and of course, athletically. Like you go from, you know, being in the city and, and kind of like that different way of life to now going to this, you know, prestigious prep school um, with a lot of different uh, a lot of different expectations and things. So it was at first it was kind of a culture shock, but as time went on and I got acclimated, it was, you know, I look back now, it was an amazing experience. Um, but, um, you know, over time it was something where like definitely had to learn how to, you know, go through challenges like academically, um, really grew up in many ways with respect to looking in the mirror and understanding what it, what it took to be successful. Um, you know, and also quite frankly, you know, growing up in a household where, you know, your father is, is an ex-professional athlete. And as a young boy and, and, and teenager, you know, you're, you're pretty athletic and you think you got what it takes to go to a certain level, but it's like, you're not going to do anything until you make sure your school's in order. And really being in that, that kind of that discipline uh, was a balancing act throughout, but 
it made everything for the better. So, um, so yeah, um, that's kind of, that was, that's a big part of my experience. And then I don't know if you want to, if I can go into like how I got into Princeton, but yeah, well, I think actually one part right here, cause I, it's, it's a big part of, of what we talk about, uh, your support, um, your support program, your support people who support you through your whole entire journey, um, is to introduce your father. Cause I mean, there, there's no question about it. He's larger than life. Um, so who is your father? Larger than life. Well, um, not nah, so. My father is uh, Len Elmore. Um, he, you know, he's an ex NBA player back in the '70s and '80s. You know, had a had a great college career back at the University of Maryland. Um, and then after his NBA career, he went on to uh, Harvard Law School. And I believe he's still the the only um, ex NBA player. I'm not sure about professional athlete, but he's the only ex NBA player to have graduated and or attended Harvard Law. And so, and that was all before I was born, by the way. Um, you know, I was born in 1990. I'll, you know, I'm, I don't know how, I, people say I look younger than I am. I'll take it. But um, yeah, you know, he, he did all this before. And meanwhile, my mother had, you know, she's, you know, in the meantime, I'll just go to my mother because it's, again, it speaks to my support. You know, she is from Montreal, Canada, moved to Maryland as, as a teenager and ended up meeting my dad. So you have a white Jewish woman from, from Montreal and my, you know, black black man from Queens, New York meeting in college, talk about culture shock, right? In the seventies. But, you know, both of them were instrumental in, in setting the standard, setting the tone uh, for my upbringing, because like I said, there are a lot of challenges in, in many respects, but um, you know, they, they gave me a lot of support and steered me in the right direction. But yeah, going back to my dad, I mean, there's, there's, there's a world of things I can discuss, but the biggest thing was just being, you know, thrust into this, this, I guess, setting of, you know, exposure, um, especially in sports, having expectations naturally, never from, from that, from him, but always from everybody else. Um, you know, so that, that made it for an, that made for an interesting journey in my mm -hmm. young years. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, and did, so your dad, Ivy Lee edu educated, did that go into your decision-making of, of picking Princeton? Not at all. Really? Not at all. And actually, I, I will tell you what, and I can, you know, my coach, Co Coach Bradley, former MLB player, um, one of my favorite people, um, so supportive of me uh, throughout my time there. But um, one of the things that we talked about, one of the things I thought about was, you know, being a dual sport athlete, because I played basketball and baseball throughout my college years. Um, I, had a I had a chance to do both, got recruited by, by the different schools. A lot of, ironically, a lot of Ivy League, Patriot League, mid-major level schools in basketball and, and, you know, academically because of where I went to school and I, I got my stuff together, there was a fit, but the most, the, the biggest fit was my talent level. Um, you know, I wasn't getting looked at by, by high majors at the time. Um, and it just so happened that a lot of that, those schools were recruiting me in basketball, but in baseball, you know, I'm, a, I'm six foot six, lefty, you know, pitcher, athletic, threw pretty hard. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that had to be tweaked, but because of that raw athleticism, I got, you know, I got some looks from bigger schools and I also got, to, I played in high school with Pedro Alvarez, who was a former MLB player. So luckily got a lot of exposure early, but going to my decision, um, baseball was a big thing. Cause I loved it. It was my first sport. It was actually my dad's first sport, but you know, I felt like that was a way I could make probably subconsciously make my own path athletically. Mm -hmm. Whereas like basketball, everyone's expecting all these things from me, even though it's a totally different situation. 
but just feeling that loving both sports, that was a way that I could, you know, really make a name for myself. And it just so happened that, you know, Princeton was in the mix. And if anyone who knows, and you know, Cody, how, how many great athletes come out of there on top of everyone else, but it was just an opportunity I felt was something I couldn't, I couldn't pass up. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point. I mean, they, they breed good athletes. And then on top of that, if you pair that education, you're setting yourself up uh, pretty good for the future. So playing two sports, I played one and I know for me, it was a time commitment. Did you see it as just, oh my gosh, this is a lot? Or was it more, wow, okay, you know what? Basketball's over. Now it's time for baseball. Was the change nice or was it a lot? So uh, that's a great question because, it, again, it gets me, get my, gets my wheels running back to my upbringing. But for me growing up, it was always, you know, luckily I was naturally talented to an extent where I could, you know, I could – Basketball comes first in the seasons, right? So you're working on your basketball, you know, you're playing your position, you're doing your thing, you're staying in shape. That's the biggest thing. You're staying in, sh- in great physical shape. Mm-hmm. So when it's baseball season in middle school, high school, you know, you're seeing baseball practice start in the winter, like preseason, but you're still playing basketball. Uh, basketball. But as a pitcher, it's like all you have to do is stay in shape and get your arm ready to go. And then once the basketball season's done, pick up the ball, start getting on the mound, get your, get your stuff together, and you're, you're good to go. So it was never really that much of a challenge to get to the swing. It was just something naturally that I did. But I got to say, like, once you go to the higher levels and you get to college and, and you talk about Princeton, you know, being a great academic school, great athletic school, but like those, you're getting guys in there that are like, I said, some major leaguers, you know, it's high level uh, sport. And so generally what you learn is uh, it is a challenge because you need the reps. Um, I think that's the one thing you know, that was tough for me is not getting necessarily the reps in baseball that, you know, at that level you probably needed to really maintain uh, that type of career. But, I mean, that's just my case because, of course, there are others who are great athletes who did it. But, yeah, I would say the challenge was kind of as I got older. Um, and I will say, too, when I first started my freshman year at Princeton, it was, uh, you know, talk about academic culture shock, but then also just like your schedule. I remember having 6 a.m. lifts in baseball. And then working on the, working out with the basketball team after a baseball workout, um, going for an hour, what they call an individual, which is like the small breakout workouts and just being totally gassed and like could not move my legs. And this is like, oh, it's only Monday, like doing that three, four times a week. So I, it, it was taxing for me my freshman year fall because it was it was just like there was no break. Um, but, you know, some people had different experiences and um you know, I'm sure I would love to hear theirs, but yeah, I think the biggest adjustment is just like physically more than anything. Cause mentally it was not, it, it was, it's pretty seamless. So, well, I mean, the, the stuff that you must've learned from those experiences to bring into, you know, the rest of your life must've been incredible. I mean, the, the different, how to balance so many different things, how to, you know, maybe fail in one thing and then pick it up somewhere else in these different facets and these different seasons of life must be something that just sticks with you yeah I, again and my just unique to my story too is because you know I, I mentioned playing two sports but there was a time where I was only playing baseball dropped the basketball had to pick it back up later on and what that actually taught me is, is a few things but most importantly you talk about the balance is you have to be all in right so like some people and I was hearing stories about the Chris Youngs and Will Venables who went on to have professional careers and did both right 
maybe I wasn't as good as those guys, right? And that's that's okay. But it's also like understanding that if you're going to be all in, whether you pick one sport or you make a decision to do one and you're, you can't straddle the line, uh, when you're doing both, you need to really prioritize. And that, yeah, that teaches you life lessons because now as you know, in the workforce, it's all about prioritization. It's all about, you know, what's really going to move the needle. Like what's the most important thing I have to get done now today. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's that type of mindset um, that really prepares you to, to succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the transition happens, right? Both seasons are done senior year the what's next next question comes up. Um, did you have a direction that, that you wanted to go or was it kind of like a lot of graduating student athletes that, Oh no, what next kind of deal? Yeah. So first of all, when I, when I left as an undergrad, if you just back up to my, between my junior and senior year, that's when, and it's, it's, we can talk about this later. I know it's changed a bit, but a lot of times, you know, college students, they, they earn internships, you know, they, they, they work during the summers, uh, whenever, whenever they can really to, to gain experience and prepare themselves for uh, not only an athlete, but anybody, but especially it's tougher with student athletes, but um, you prepare yourself for that next step. So for me, I never, I, I guess I started thinking about that midway through college. And so between my junior and senior year, like I said, I had, I wasn't playing basketball at a certain point. So I was trying to think to myself, do I, I really want to, I want to do this. Like I, I want to be able to, to, to have that kind of complete experience. So I actually went to the Citadel um, as a graduate senior and played on the basketball team. So I went to get my grad degree in sports management while being a grad senior at the Citadel. And so luckily for me, I had that opportunity. And so I was just focused on finishing my undergrad, but also going through that recruitment process all over again. Um, but in a way, you know, it, it did delay that inevitable, like going to the real world. And so when I later was, was in my grad degree, that's when you start thinking, okay, I'm 23 years old. Um, you know, what is next? And so, yeah, that transition, it took a while. And, and through my career path, as you've seen, like, you don't necessarily, you're not going to do exactly what you think you're going to do right out of school. So what was most, most important for me is like, what is my passion? What are the relationships that I have? What are the skills that I have? And where can I really feel like I'm going to build um, for the future? And so that's kind of what guided me. And then, of course, I would say the last thing is, is as you're going through that process is think about the people you're going to be working with. Um, so I would say that's what anchored my, my, my approach. But, you know, again, later on, you navigate it differently and you run into different situations that you always have to be nimble. So how did you find it? So the career that you're in right now in, uh, in the PR world, how did you find that as to be, you know what? This is what I want to do now. Um, it lines up with everything that I said, you know, the, the people, the passions. What was that like to get to this point? Yeah, so so where I am now, if you go back to my first job out of grad school, I was at a, a small boutique um, PR firm in New York. And I had been looking. So when I got out of grad school, I was thinking, okay, probably I want to try to find my way into college sports. And, but I got out of grad school and graduated in January. So, you know, like college basketball is not hiring in the middle of the season. So I really had to think, okay, what else do I want to really do? And I, I did a lot of research, had a lot of conversations, and I landed in the PR marketing field back then, which is many reasons why I'm here now, is because I've always had this thing about brand building, about like partnership, collaboration, 
whether in sports or other areas that I love and just had a lot of great conversations about what that really entailed and the combination of being able to, you know, to build relationships, you know, being in the media, which is kind of, you know, I kind of grew up in that, uh, given my dad's experience. Um, and then being a storyteller, uh, writing, expressing yourself, being creative. Those are all things that I really always loved, whether it was through written or visual, but, um, you know, found my, found my niche there. And so that's what I actually did before going into coaching and then going back to what I'm doing now, I'm back in it because, you know, I had, a, I had an ability to join the firm I'm in, in, in the sports division where, you know, you're working with professional athletes or professional talent or college athletic conferences that you, many times you have that knowledge and that those relationships, and then you maintain some of the skill sets that really take you there. So I felt it was natural because there was a, this mix of storytelling, salesmanship, um, communication and just relationship building that I really just enjoy. So you mended those two things together, the, the love of sports and then the PR side, the creative, the, the uh, discovering, you know, certain, certain ways to go down and tell a story. Uh, I think that's, that's fantastic. That's great. I mean, so you're enjoying it right now. I, I would assume you're kind of, you're kind of in heaven at this point when you mend those both together. Well, yeah. And look, you're always, you're always looking to build. And I think for me with this opportunity, you know, one of the things I didn't mention was I'm now um, leading our diversity, equity, inclusion um, initiative at our agency as well with, with some great teammates. And so that those two areas, so the PR marketing and the DEI have actually blended together really strongly because of what's going on in our world, especially last year, but what's going to continue being a conversation. Um, also, you relate back to personal experiences and perspectives in sports, being who I am, it was just both marrying the both those those worlds um, were great, and when you can put that to to task with sports, entertainment, culture, all those things that are platforms that we know are are, are majorly sought after and looked at, it was it, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean that's it, it's great because of what I all all those different attributes I said, um, and it's really you know from working with media and like the PR side, but also the marketing where it's like you're coming up with ideas, you're you're helping brands, talent, what have you, strategically come up with ways to, to you know, put things out uh, publicly, but also, like, approach things, communicate things. And, um, you know, that also involves content as well. I mean, it's not – what's great about what we're doing now, it's um, – and this is for folks who, like, have this interest. It's not only the, the written part, the media part. It's, you know, we put out video content. We put out uh, messaging content. So it's just – it's really being in tune with what brands are doing. And I love mm -hmm. it. It's an it's an interesting thing you brought up the, the well not brought up but that you're doing right now, um, the diversity equity inclusion. So when we were in college, me personally, um, the big thing then was gambling, right? That was like the hot button topic. Now, student athletes now have are dealing with a completely different you know palette of of, of issues. So if you go back and look back the the what are the biggest challenges facing student athletes right now? I mean, you have a gamut to pick from, um, but in your personal preference, what do you think is, is, is the biggest challenge for them? Yeah. I mean, gambling, I, I never did cause I didn't want to lose my money, but um, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think, you know, if you look at now and I mean, you can compare to our generation, which there's some similarities, but you know, the biggest elephant in the room is NIL name, image, and likeness, right? So now, college athletes are going to be able to, to benefit or, and or monetize uh, from their name, image, and likeness. Um, and, you know, college athletes are, are very notable 
you know, individuals on campuses and teams. But now I think that's going to be that's going to be a huge benefit, but also a challenge because understanding how to navigate that field, like how when you have opportunities, who to you know, figuring out who do you trust, you know, figuring out when there are financial implications, are you educated enough to handle these? Do you have the right support system to to take you through that? Um, and then also, you know, even things like taxes and and uh, and things of that nature. But also, I think you know you have NIL, and then it's which is tied to social media. Whether you tie that to NIL or just social media in general, I think you know there's just talking about monitoring your image, which is you know for a quote unquote college kid, people are like oh let them be kids, let them do their thing. I mean, even for us, when I when I was in school, I graduated in 2012. Um, you know, social media was was there, but it was there was the emphasis was not even close to what it is now. I mean, careers are are, are made through social media in many ways. Mm-hmm. But so on the flip side, a challenge is like not being caught up in that, understanding the the, the positives and negatives. Like folks, I know, I know they're not everybody, but I know there there are folks who have had mental health issues because of you know seeing things, whether they're comparing themselves or they're they have to put their egos in check. They're getting so caught up in some of those things. Um, that it's really, it could be a hindrance. So I would say that's a challenge as much as it is an opportunity. So it's all about making sure you can navigate those correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, at, at this point, moving forward with NIL and the discussion, um, looking at it through a PR lens, right? If you had to give a student athlete um, a couple tips, I'm like, hey, listen, this is what you don't want to get into. Like, and this is what you do want to get into. If you had to give a few of those, what, what would they be? I mean, the first thing is you need to be true to yourself. Uh, and that's a cliche thing, but it is true because you, 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 anything you put out, you know, is out there and you don't want that to be misrepresentative of who you are. Mm. But more specifically, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's understanding the landscape, understanding. I mean, naturally, if you are, if you mean well and doing the right things, you need to, you need to understand that it's a resume. You know, it's, it's a personal profile. Unfortunately, people try to break you down. Or folks might just stumble upon something that you mistakenly or, you know, put something up that you think is, is funny. But you need to understand that everything is monitored. So anything you put out there is out there forever. Mm-hmm. And if you delete it, someone might take a snapshot. So it needs to really be intentional, professional, and, and speak to, you know, who you are. Even if, it, you know, even if it's something, jo- you know, jovial and you like, you know, you have that personality, it's all good. But you don't want to be putting anything out that's that would be looked at as risky or combative or, or, you know, offensive. And, and many times a lot of these, a lot of the kids don't have that in their heart anyway, but they're just things that, you know, if they're misconstrued and not clear, it can be really, really uh, detrimental. So definitely that's a long answer, but I would say seek out help, seek out advice from folks who might have a different lens and have your best interest because that's ultimately going to help you understand what's, what's kosher and what's not. Mm-hmm. And that, that coming from the college side where you were for, uh, you know, a hot minute and then going to the agency side after that, do you think it's on the schools at all in order to educate these, these student athletes on the stuff that you just mentioned? Uh, I do. I, I mean, that's a, I think there are a lot of complexities to that, but ultimately it's definitely the onus falls on the schools. Now how the schools are, are, are obtaining that information or the specific niche education um, or niche education rather um, it, it all varies. Maybe you have somebody in house or, or, or a team in house who can speak to different things like compliance. I mean, that's typically the case. You have compliance officers um, when it comes to financial education, 
financial literacy, but also, um, you know, also even issues of compliance when it comes to what you can and can't do, or if it's, you know, public speaking, if it's, you know, understanding the right communication and, and, and understanding different things. However you go about that, you have, you outsource it, you, you work with a team, you collaborate with an agency. Um, it doesn't matter, but it's, it's definitely the school needs to facilitate that and make sure that the best interests are, are put at the fore and making that happen. And so, yeah, I definitely think that's, that's something that needs to, to be done by the institutions. I agree. And then seeing this as an opportunity, right? NIL is an opportunity. Most people look at it and say, oh, this is a social media thing. Anyone with a lot of followers is going to absolutely, you know, crush it. Um, we had a conversation off, off, uh, off Mike and this is actually an opportunity for student athletes to become their own business and, and set themselves up for really the next step in the next career after that. If you put yourself in their shoes, what type of uh, emotion would you take in order to set yourself up into the career? So say you knew that you were interested in PR moving out of this, how would you use NIL to set yourself up into actually being your own business and setting your, your future up for success? So depending on what you're interested in, so you say PR, right? I think, first of all, when you say PR, and this is just my, my opinion, PR is multifaceted. So you can have several skill sets. I mean, I'm going to walk the case of it. There are other folks that I know come from different careers. You, you need to just understand what the skill set is within PR. So like necessarily, if you want to connect with people in the PR industry or connect with folks who have that type of background, that's important. But from an NIL perspective, you know, I don't, I don't know if I know the answer to that because that's, you know, NIL, you're talking about more, you're talking about propelling something that you can, you know, monetize. Um, I guess, are you saying that like, if you, if you want to let people know that you're interested in PR? No, just even, even setting up, setting up. So saying like, even the, these soft skills you have to learn from running your own business. How do you translate those into you you really want to do after? Because there's a, there's a timeline, right? You only have four years really to, capitalize on, on nil oh okay so in that case for sure i think i think you have the nil piece and then you just have like the i think there's an nil nil piece meaning like you want to align yourself if you have that opportunity you want to align with brands and align with vendors that um you know might might speak to that but i i don't that's just an idea i think that's not the most important part i think what's most important with what you're asking is more like how do you align yourself to, to really leverage your status and your platform and your abilities to get to the career that you want to get. And I think that's a combination of things. So first of all, it's, it's, it's important when you go and you're a college athlete, depending on where you are, a lot of times you're, you're afforded an opportunity to connect with so many people, alumni, donors, people in the business world, connections through, through people who are affiliated with your program, really, really take advantage of that, really seek out that type of advice from folks that you trust within the organization, within the network, let them know what you want to do. I think one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was young at Princeton was, and this is more for academically, but like ask for help. Like what are people, people aren't going to think any less of you if you don't ask for help. They want to help you. That's why they're there. And I think the same thing goes for alumni and other folks who are involved with the program. Now going to the NIL piece, of course, there's, I think it's one of the challenges is like now there's so much opportunity and there's been opportunity. So you have to be able to vet those who have your best interest and those who don't or making it trying to make a buck off you. But ultimately it's, it's making sure you're aligned with the right people and then understanding how to really get your message out there 
about what you want to do. So there's a, there's like that public profile side, you know, if you have a big, if you have a large following and you have the ability to reach so many people, you want to, you want to convey what it is that you want to do and who you are and what your interests are. But then also while you're doing that, you're going to be able to connect with so many people that want to help you because, and I've heard this, I'm sure you have before, but I really believe there's a lot of times where after your time as a student athlete, you know, that four years or what have you, if you don't take advantage of that and you don't meet new people, you don't really get out there and, and explore and, and get out of your shell, you might be left behind as unfortunate as that, as that is um, because you have such a platform during that time. Um, and if you're not a professional athlete, which most people are not, then, you know, how did you really maximize your time on top of getting your education and having an amazing experience? You really want to leverage that platform um, to really get in those doors because, you know, networking is so much part of the game. Education is so much part of the game that happens through exploration and, and getting out there. So hopefully that made sense, but I, yeah. that's something I'm like very, very passionate about it and just have seen it as a player and a coach where folks do a great job of it and other kids or student athletes, unfortunately stay back and don't really put an emphasis or, or just nervous to do it. And it, it's just a shame. So you mm-hmm. want to be able to, to have that situation. No, that was a great answer. That was a great answer. I think a lot of value from the teams that we get from uh, the sports that we play from the schools that we go to is the network that's associated with that school. Um, right. And that's, that's just a, a different education right there and there, but it's just as important as the formal education that you, that you go through. And I, I totally agree. So thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Uh, a lot of incredible, just content, just direction. Um, your story is incredible where you came from is incredible. I got one last question and Um, yeah, this is the hard one. Um, So one thing that a mentor, a coach, someone who's either close to you or that you looked up to has said to you that you kind of hold on to and you lean on every single day. Man, it's going to be a long pause. I know I didn't prep you on this one. This is just kind of a a shoot from the hip kind of thing. It could be a lesson, uh, anything. Um, Communication and access are two of the most important things throughout your life that are going to be the difference between opportunity or gained opportunity or missed opportunity. That's something I've heard. And I've actually seen the last in my six, seven years, whatever, you know, from college to professional life, I've seen that manifest itself. Um, opportunity, uh, I said access and communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, access meaning, access meaning like, you know, understanding being availability, um, being open-minded, being, being accessible and then being able to communicate. Yeah, so. no, it makes a lot of sense. I think that's a great way to end it. I appreciate it, Steven. Thank you so much for your time. Um, this is fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. I'd like to thank Stephen Elmore for joining us on this edition of Power the Journey. If you enjoyed our conversation today, please let us know. Like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check back in every week when we peel back the layers of the student-athlete experience by talking with those who have been through it, those who are impacting it, and guests within the athletics community who are actively trying to change it for the better. And don't forget, your journey has power.